earnestly seek to commend yourself to God as an approved worker who has nothing to be ashamed of, handling the word of truth with precision. We're glad you're joining us for today's program, A Word from the Word, with your host, Pastor Tom, who will unpack for us the richness and beauty of the Bible's original languages as they bear on key words and concepts from both Testaments. Our hope is that your walk with God will be strengthened and deepened, and both your understanding and application of God's Word will be enriched, and you'll be drawn to love it more and more each day. And now, here's Pastor Tom. Well, hello, friends, and thank you for joining me today. Whether you're out driving in your car, listening to one of your mobile devices, or perhaps even catching the podcast, drama, power, romance, intrigue. This is the stuff best-selling novels are made of. But far from a modern piece of fiction, today's topic describes a true event, a story written and lived centuries ago. More than entertaining reading, today's story portrays a profound interplay between God's sovereignty and human will. God prepared the place and the opportunity, and two key people of God stepped up and made the choice to act. Although cast on the Old Testament stage, the story of Esther in many ways is the story of us all. Suddenly we find ourselves in the midst of circumstances beyond our control, and then, like Esther, we come face to face with a series of choices. And friends, these choices often involve moral issues. What's the right thing to do, we ask? Perhaps it might result in the loss of comfort, popularity, maybe even our lives. We may hesitate, as Esther did initially, but to retreat behind the safety and comfort of the walls we have built around us is actually the most dangerous thing we can do, because it means we have chosen against God and threatened our very souls. Friends, On the Jewish calendar, this coming Monday and Tuesday is the celebration of Purim. Time won't permit me, but I'd love to suggest that you read the book of Esther in one sitting. It is riveting. Well, our teaching today actually starts out in the world of fiction. Do you remember The Wizard of Oz? Do you remember when Dorothy, her little hairball dog Toto, the Scarecrow, Tin Man, and Lion finally reached the Emerald City, hoping to meet the wizard? Do you remember when they're allowed in and they approach a room and hear the loud, booming voice of the wizard? They're frightened, awestruck at his demonstration of power. Then Toto scampers over to a booth with a drawn curtain and with his teeth pulls back the curtain, revealing an old man feverishly working levers and pushing buttons, triggering ominous visual images and a microphone producing a deep bellowing voice. Suddenly, Dorothy and her three friends noticed this old man controlling these great magic feats, but he quickly bursts out, Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Now, while the Wizard of Oz employs a little deception behind that curtain, such is not the case with the God of the universe, the God of the Bible. 
The scriptures occasionally reveal to us that at times God works behind the scenes and divinely orchestrates the outcome of many of our life circumstances, kind of like a silent partner. This reminded me of the lives of Job and Joseph. You know those stories, don't you? Interestingly, in Job, all we're told is that God intends to prove Job's integrity and righteousness. Whoa! This is certainly something to think about the next time we go through a difficult time in our lives, huh? Perhaps God wants to put us on display and make a shining example of us to a dark and depraved generation who know very little about God. I'm sure you're aware of the saying, we may be the only Bible a person ever reads. And regarding Joseph, the key to the entire story is found at the end in Genesis 50:20, where Joseph evidently has already grasped the idea of the providential and sovereign working of his God. Remember that verse? Joseph said to his brothers, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. So then don't be afraid. One modern language Bible puts it this way, Don't be afraid. Do I act for God? Don't you see? You planned evil against me, but God used those same plans for my good. As you see all around you right now, life for many people, easy now, you have nothing to fear. Before we continue, friends, let me briefly describe what I mean by providence and sovereignty. By providence, I mean the guiding power that manages the universe with loving care and benevolence. And by sovereignty, I mean the supreme or kingly rule or control over all things. This is our word for today, sovereignty. And it really does help if we have a basic working knowledge of these two concepts and can understand them as they intersect our own life situations. Otherwise, we'll easily and quickly fall prey to and become the victim of the tyranny of the urgent. By that I mean we will only see our life experiences as random and disconnected events with no ultimate purpose or meaning. Then we'll fail to see a God who is in control and who is the benevolent guiding power managing our lives, both the good parts and the not-so-good parts. We'll only be sucked in by the urgency of our needs and even work feverishly to make the negative things go away. In the process, we'll only blind ourselves to a higher purpose and plan because we're so focused on our single piece of the puzzle instead of looking at the whole picture and where our piece fits. Friends, in 1992, the late Francis Schaeffer wrote a book called He Is There and He Is Not Silent. Like Job and Joseph, let's realize that like the Esther story, God may be hidden, but he is not hiding. A wonderful prayer that ties in with the Esther story is found in the I Worship Devotional Bible. 
Lord, help me believe that you put me in this time and place with my abilities and resources because you had a purpose in mind. Show me how to overcome whatever may hold me back so that I can become a proactive player in your kingdom. You see, friends, the key question we have to ask ourselves is, are we proactively looking and listening? Are we intentionally looking and listening? Now, you might say, for what? Well, for God to speak to us through both the positive and negative experiences in our lives, for God to use our life situations to speak to us and guide us to fulfill his destiny for us. Friends, many years ago, a group of people concerned for lost souls met in a farmer's field in North Carolina. They fervently prayed for God to raise someone up in Charlotte to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. It just so happened that the field these people were standing in belonged to the father of Billy Graham. Do you see now how important it is to have a basic grasp on the providence and sovereignty of God, a basic grasp on the idea that God is always in control and working things out for our good and his glory? To the Christ followers in Rome, the Apostle Paul writes, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Friends, this idea is reinforced over and over in different ways throughout the scriptures. A few other places being Psalm 31.15, My times are in your hands. Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who can be against us? Joshua 1.9, here God says, Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Hebrews 13.5, where God is saying, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. To which the writer responds, so that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What shall man do to me? And lastly, Philippians 1.12, now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. Did you catch that, friends? My circumstances. Where was Paul when he wrote those words? Right, in prison. Here's a modern language portrayal of this verse. I want to report to you, friends, that my imprisonment here has had the opposite of its intended effect. Instead of being squelched, the message is actually prospered. Hmm. Ring a bell? You intended it for harm, but... Well, friends, the book and story of Esther are no stranger to this idea. Warren Wearsby, in his study guide on Esther, writes... Kings may issue their unalterable decrees, but God overrules and accomplishes his purposes. This made me think of Proverbs 21.1. The king's heart is like channels of water in the hands of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. Friends, the book of Esther is a curious book because God's name is never mentioned. Prayer is not even mentioned Yet listen carefully. 
We cannot read the book of Esther without being conscious of God, a God who is lovingly and delicately weaving the threads of horrific circumstances into a beautiful tapestry that smacks of his providential and sovereign management, management of the lives and events to which his chosen people have become captive So, friends, this is why I encourage you to read the book of Esther in one sitting. I know it's ten chapters, but they'll go fast, I promise. You won't be able to put it down. God is about to turn a nation's mourning into joy. He's like a busy bee at work operating behind the scenes like a silent partner. The book of Esther begins... This is what happened during the time of Xerxes, the Xerxes who ruled over 127 provinces stretching from India to Ethiopia. At that time, King Xerxes reigned from his royal throne in the citadel of Susa, and in the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all his nobles and officials, the military leaders of Persia and Media, the princes and the nobles of the provinces were present. Notice, it's not a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. This is a historical record of a real event that happened. It's not Star Wars, The Revenge of Haman. And when you read through this book on virtually every page, the discerning eye will detect the divine hand working effectively without anyone's conscious awareness of it. So, friends, as you dig into the book of of Esther, pay attention to the man behind the curtain. Now, I need to tell you that there are skeptics out there who question that this account is history. They argue that it is fiction, and here's why. The book of Esther has a large number of improbable coincidences. Esther never would have been chosen queen because only Persians could become queens. And it is implausible that a Persian king would decree the widespread extermination of a whole people group. But the writer of Esther takes great pains to establish a historical and political context before he introduces the religious context. In many places, the book of Esther, authentic Persian names, titles, and customs are mentioned. Additionally, God working behind the scenes is not unique to the book of Esther. Remember I mentioned earlier the Joseph story, the Job story, and now I'll even include the story of Ruth. Esther was written to explain to a Jewish audience how the festival of Purim originated, and I'm going to leave it to you to discover what Purim means. As I mentioned, Purim is this Monday and Tuesday. If you haven't attended a Purim celebration, friends, you're missing out on an incredible experience for the whole family. Purim became an annual remembrance of how God delivered his chosen people from annihilation, similar to their deliverance during Exodus from Egypt and the Pharaoh in Exodus 13 through 15. We're told in Esther that the events recorded occurred over a 10-year period between 483 and 473 B.C. 
History tells us that King Xerxes came to power in 485 BC and reigned until assassinated in 465 BC. You see, King Xerxes elevated Haman to a seat of honor above all the other nobles. In fact, all the royal officials knelt down and paid homage to Haman at the king's gate. But Mordecai, a Jew, refused to bow down to Haman. For a Jew, bowing signified worship, and Mordecai reserved his worship for God alone. So Haman comes to despise Mordecai. In fact, his hatred fans out to include the entire Jewish population. And he manages to convince King Xerxes that all the Jews should be exterminated. The drama builds when Esther and her uncle Mordecai seek a way to reverse the king's edict. And Esther risks her life to expose Haman's heinous plot. In so doing, Esther must reveal herself to be a Jew. And in fact, it's her own people who are being targeted by Haman. Now, in my opinion, friends, the key section is chapter 4, 12 through 16. In this portion, Esther requests her people to fast for her, since she plans to meet with the king and reveal this plot. I don't know about you, but this certainly would be the perfect place to ask for prayer, don't you think? But prayer is not mentioned, or is it? Here we need to strap on biblical sandals and realize that for Jews, fasting is almost always accompanied by prayer. And the goal here was to petition God to sway the king's heart in the Jews' favor. In the midst of Esther's request for fasting, she consults with her uncle Mordecai, and Mordecai counsels her, Who knows, but maybe that you have come to a royal position for such a time as this, Esther 4.14. What's up with that? There's no thus saith the Lord here, no words of authority from on high. No, Esther, the Lord spoke to me and said, it's just who knows. Somehow, even in this critical moment, God's mystery is maintained. It's as if God is the book's best kept secret. But to the discerning eye, to the detective of the divine, God is here, and he is not silent. Friends, pay attention to the man behind the curtain. If we're paying attention, we'll detect God's concern for his chosen people, won't we? And we won't be fooled or misled by the story's series of extraordinary coincidences, will we? After all, Esther just happened to be chosen the new queen— The king just happened to have insomnia one night. The king just happened to pick up the scroll that recorded the good deeds that Mordecai has done. The evil Haman just happened to come along at a crucial moment. These supposed coincidences just happened to combine with Esther's courage and tilt the terrible events in the Jews' favor. You see, friends, discerning minds will ask the right questions— Questions like, were these really mere coincidences? Was God actually working behind the scenes? Is all of life really under God's control? Does anything just happen? Were these coincidences God's way of saving the Jews? No. Yes. Yes. No. Yes. Is there anything wrong with calling Esther and Mordecai heroes? Heroes sometimes downplay their part in a critical situation, often replying, I'm sure others would have done the same thing, or 
I was just in the right place at the right time. Hmm. I was just in the right place at the right time? Sounds a lot like a modern-day equivalent of Mordecai's words, doesn't it? And who knows but that you have come to the royal position for such a time as this. Friends, I'm convinced that the book of Esther demands that we draw the conclusion that God's behind-the-scenes exquisite timing is combined with the courage of particular individuals who just happen to be in the right place at the right time. And as a result, God's chosen people are spared from horrific fate by both divine and human intervention working cooperatively together. Friends, God is working between the lines of the story of your life as well, between any plots against you, between any fears about your future. But finding and seeing God's prevailing goodness requires that we become spiritual detectives, detectives of the divine, if you will. We may learn to read between the lines. We must learn to read between the lines. We must also pay attention to the man behind the curtain. The book of Esther and the celebration of Purim challenge us to ask and answer this question for ourselves. Is God in control? Esther demands that we reply in the affirmative. God is in control. Amen. Back in 1993, Christian singer-songwriter Twyla Paris sang the song, God is in Control. The second verse is is appropriate here. History marches on. There is a bottom line drawn across the ages. Culture can make its plan. Oh, but the line never changes. No matter how the deception may fly, there is one thing that has always been true. It will be true forever. Then the chorus chimes in. God is in control. We believe that his children will not be forsaken. God is in control. We will choose to remember and never be shaken. There is no power above or beside him. We know, oh, 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 God is in control. Then the bridge. There are these words in the bridge. He has never let you down. Why start to worry now? Why start to worry now? He is still the Lord of all we see. And he is still the loving father watching over you and me. So, friends, let me repeat. Pay attention to the man behind the curtain. God may be hidden, but he is not hiding. Amen? Amen. Well, friends, I see that we have come to the end of today's program. I hope it has been informative stimulating, and challenging. And it would certainly be my honor to be praying for you as we all grow and become spiritual detectives of the divine and look for God's sightings. Oh, they're out there, friends. Let's keep our eyes open and our spiritual antennae up, and let's pray that we can have the courage of Esther and her uncle Mordecai. Today's broadcast will close out with an email where you may write me. I'd love to hear how this program is ministering to you and equipping you in your understanding of God's Word. 
This email is also where you may contact me to learn about how you can financially help this listener-supported program. It's listeners like you who keep this program on the air. Friends, won't you please consider joining a Word from the Word support team? I'd be forever thankful. One listener wrote in recently and said, Good morning, Tom. I was able to listen to two of your podcasts this morning. Thank you. Do you really meet in coffee shops around the valley? When? Where? Thanks again. I enjoyed a word from the word. God bless. Well, friends, thanks for listening today. And please remember, Jesus loves you. I'm Pastor Tom with a word from the word. Friends, if you would like to let Pastor Tom know what this program has meant to you, email him at a word from the word at minister.com. That's a word from the word at minister.com.